How good. And it's wonderful to not only be in this house together, but in many houses together today. And uh, we're, we're just so honored. Thank you for turning on the TV and, and enjoying with us today the Lord, his presence. Boy, his presence is real here. And, of course, now his word. Our theme is fearless, creating a courage culture, which is so countercultural to the culture we're familiar with today. Cancel culture, that's all about fear. COVID culture, it's all about fear. It's like fear is really predominant. It's like uh, the media, fear. Uh, we're, we just, we, we, it's everywhere. But for us to stand up extremely countercultural, because I believe we can create culture. You can create culture in your home. You can create a culture in your business or in, in your ministry or here in the house of God. I believe we can create culture. And our theme is bold because it's fearless. Creating a culture of courage or creating a courage culture. Now, I started reading A.W. Tozier when I was a very young Christian. If you have never read anything by A.W. Tozier, I'm jealous of you because there's a whole new world that you're about to enter into, and you're going to get it for the first time. Some of the most amazing books. I think I've read most, if not all, of the books of A.W. Tozier. And Tozier just, you know, as I would read him as a young man and even to this day as I still read him, he's like the straightest shooting preacher I ever saw in my life or heard in my life. Buddy, that guy pulls no punches. But I like it like that. I like it like that. And that's how he's ministered to me and my heart. So I want to start today's message with a quote from A.W. Tozier. And Tozier says this, a frightened world needs a fearless church. And if ever that were true, and when Tozier wrote that probably 60 years ago, looking at the church in the 60s in the United States, if that were ever true, it's true today. The world is frightened. A frightened world does not need a church that's confused or compromised or conformed to the world, but a church that is a contrast for the world. You know, sometimes I think, I don't know what you think, but every now and then I think that the, church, that the world needs a cool church, but what the world needs is a courageous church. Now, I'd like to be cool. I'd like to be as contemporary as I can. I've never done cool hardly a day of my life, but I've always liked it. I've always liked to think it. But what the world really needs, more than it needs me to be cool, is for it needs for me to be courageous. The world is scared. We just had the opportunity to travel a few weeks ago. We haven't traveled in so long internationally, and we traveled to America, and I'm telling you, the world is scared over two years of a global pandemic. 6,245,609 recorded COVID deaths. And there was war 
in Europe. Did we ever think we would see that in our lifetime? And there is fear in the earth. Famines, fires, floods. We know all about that in Australia. That's just the month of August. We read last week from Psalm 91 that a troubled world is nothing new. It's not, oh, this is a, a new thing in the earth. No, Psalm 91 teaches, and we talked about this last week, about the terrors by night, the arrows by day, the disease in darkness, and the destruction that wastes at noonday. And that was written like a, a, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ. And that was a pretty apt description of its day and our day. Jesus said in Luke 21 in verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. There it is. Up, is it up? Tozier's looking at me. I don't like preaching with Tozier looking right at me. It just, it's messing with me. There we go. Thank you. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. A frightened world needs a fearless church. We read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 15, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Now wait, watch this. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, for those who have lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. A light has shined in the land where death casts its shadow. Jesus said, you're the light. Matthew 5, 14. Where is the light that shines on the people who live in the land where death casts its shadow? Jesus said, you are the light. You are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In a world where death has cast its shadow, a fearless church casts her light. A fearless church is the hope of a frightened world. The church. The church. Man, we sing about it today. The church. The church. We read in Ephesians chapter, you know, history might make us believe and think that what history is all about is civilizations. That what history is all about is Pharaohs and Caesars. But I'm going to tell you that is not true. I want to show you right now what history is all about. I'm going to show you right now what his story, history, his story is all about. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 22. We read that God raises, he raised Christ from the dead. And then we read this. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule, all authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also 
in Stuart and Veronica's age. Not only in this age, Paul is saying, not, I mean, we're talking about all power, all dominion, all authority above every name that is named, not only while I'm writing this in this age, but in the one to come. You and I are living in that one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, one translation says, for the benefit of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. This is the reason there's a universe. This is the reason there's a planet called Earth. This is a reason God brought forth Adam and Eve. This is the reason for every dream in the heart of God, the church, a bride for his eternal son. This is the purpose of the planet, the church, the church. We read verse 23 from the message, and it says it this way. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The church is the hope of humanity, not a liberal government or a labor government or any government. The church is the hope of humanity. The church is the salt of the earth. The church is the light of the world. And a frightened world does not need a frightened church. The world needs a church that is confident and convicted and committed and convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that Jesus is risen from the dead, and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. A fearless church and a culture of courage. So what does a fearless church look like? I'm going to take my next two or three times in my next two or three times of sharing, I want us to answer. I want us to look. I want us to unpack. I want us to discover the answer to this question. What does a fearless church look like? So first, let me just begin with this. We celebrated Easter a couple of weeks ago, and we know that Jesus conquered death. I mean, that week was a bad week for the devil. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. We even sang about a whole bunch of other bodies. It was raised. I mean, death took a real beating that week. And we know that Jesus conquered death. We know that. We believe that. We shout that. We sing that. But he did something even more amazing than conquering death. He conquered the fear of death. The fear of death. 
Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Insomuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Is there a greater fear of man? Is there a greater dread in the earth and the fear of dying than the fear of death? It has gripped all human beings from the beginning of time. And yet we read in the scriptures and in, in, in uh, uh, um, the um, uh, book of Hebrews uh, chapter 2. Let me read this from the Good News Bible. And in this way, Jesus set free those who were slaves all their lives because of their fear of death. Jesus didn't just conquer death. He did something even more astounding, in my opinion. He conquered the fear of it. You know what I've learned all my life, Steve? The fear of something is usually much worse than the something. Come on, somebody. How about that bully? How about whatever it was or is in your life? The fear of it. Let me read it from the message version. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. Now watch this. I love this. By embracing death, taking it into himself. All right. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So here's life. Here's the Zoe life of God in this Lord Jesus Christ. Here is life like God has a life, eternal, glorious life. And guess what he does? He embraces death, watch, and takes it into himself. Uh-oh. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. There is death. And then there's something greater than death. And that's the fear of death. And Jesus has destroyed both. I'm done with the fear of dying. I'm over it. I first knew I was going to die when I was 10 years old. I was laying on the floor. I started having a panic attack thinking about dying. It was the most terrifying thought I'd ever thought. And as a 10-year-old boy, I had this panic attack. I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And I probably had about 500 of those in my life since then. I'm telling you the truth. I'm done with the fear of dying. And so are you. And so is every totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is terrifying. No, that's not what he did, right? Hey, I got you. I got you. That's what I said. That's how Paul said. That's what Jack said. For me to live is Christ and to die is dreadful. Oh, man, listen to the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, faced death like every other day of his life. You know, what day is it? It's Tuesday. Oh, okay. 
Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's, it's better. It's gain. The message says it like this. <laughs> Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Watch this. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. It's not life versus death. It's life versus even more life, I can't lose. No dread or distress. Listen to Paul. He faces death all the time. Listen to his writing. He's talking about dying. No dread, no distress, no anxiety or alarm, no apprehension or trepidation. As a matter of fact, two verses further, he talks about this, you know, well, this living, should I live here? Should I go? I don't, I'm kind of betwixt the two. I got two good things happening in my world. I got good and better. And he even says this. Verse 23, hard choice. The desire to break camp here and be with Christ is powerful. Some days, I can think of nothing better. No dread, no fear, no anxiety at all. Fearless, not fearful. Fearless. Jesus said in John 5, 24, he said, I tell you the truth. How many know that's the truth? The truth, Jesus is the way, the truth. The truth always tells the truth. And so Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have, look at the tense, not are gonna get, have eternal life. Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. Those who believe my message and believe in the Lord who sent me have eternal life. Watch this. They will never be condemned for their sins. I tell you the truth. Every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you the truth. You will never be condemned for your sins. See, that's the dread of dying, isn't it? That's the dread of dying. His sinners are dying, and then we stand before the living God. That's the dread, right? There's no dread, because you, follower of Jesus Christ, will never, ever be condemned for your sins. Not my words. The words of life, the words of truth, the words of the way, the truth, and the life. Now watch this. It gets better, I think. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. You know what? It was like painless. I hardly remember it. <laughs> Just read it again. They have already passed from death to life. I don't even remember the dread or the terror. I don't even remember the anxiety or the I have already it was quite painless. It was kind of like oh, <laughs> They will never be condemned for their sins. They have already passed from death into life. Family, follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
You and I have already passed from death into life. You have more life in you than death can ever handle. I'm telling you, when death comes for you, death is going to shake and quake because you've got more. Death cannot handle the life. Just like it could not get a hold of Jesus and handle the life of Jesus, it cannot do that for you or me either. There's too much life in me to be afraid of dying. The Lord Jesus not only defeated death, he released us from the fear of death that has bound us all our life. I'm just waiting for the Holy Spirit to move on your heart as I speak these words. So instead of cowering and cringing, we are confident, convinced, and courageous. Fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid to die. If I were the devil, I would be terrified of the church. Fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid to die. How would you like to meet somebody like that on the field of battle? This is how we create courage culture. Fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid of death, with no fear of death. What does a fearless church look like? Firstly, she's not afraid of death because Jesus has not only defeated death, he's defeated the fear of death. What a great way to live our life. What a great way to raise our children. What a great day to work and what a great way to, 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 to do life and ministry in God with no fear, no fear, no fear of dying and no fear of death. What does a fearless church look like? She's not afraid to die. Everybody's going to do it, but I just as soon do it fearlessly. See, we don't like to talk about it, do we? Let's don't talk about death. Well, no, okay, let's talk about life. Let's talk, anyway, let me... I think I'm getting this better than you're getting this. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. What does a fearless church look like? Well, first off, she's not afraid of death. And secondly, she's not afraid of man. So in Acts chapter 3, we read the story of Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. And so uh, I have a visual coming up soon. Thank you, Tim. So here's what happened. Peter and John went to pray. And they found a lame man on the way. He held out his palm and he asked for an alm. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ. Of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So he went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. So Acts chapter 3 is like awesome. This is an amazing story. This is a wonderful account. But it got him in all kinds of trouble because we get to Acts chapter 4 and they've been arrested. Because that lame man who sat at that beautiful gate of the temple was there all the life of the Sadducees and Pharisees and the scribes. And anyone who had ever gone up to the temple had seen that man there lame from birth all his life. He was a structure. He was part of the, you know, work there. And now this man is holding. I love this, the scene in the, in the book of Acts. It says they go in and he's literally holding Peter and John. He won't let go of him. You know, he's, what an amazing scene. But it wasn't real popular. And the next thing you know, they're arrested. 
And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4 and verse 17. And so here's the council, taking counsel. What do we do? What do we do? This is bad. This is really bad. And so we pick it up in verse 4. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda. Well, that sounds like something the media might even say today. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. Don't you talk. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about what he said. Don't talk about what he talked about. Don't teach what he taught. Don't do what he did. Don't do Jesus. Don't do Jesus. And Peter and John replied. <laughs> Here's the lame man. Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Duh. Uh, we cannot stop telling everything we have seen and heard. This is going to keep going on and on. So you guys just do what you got to do because we're going to do what we got to do. A fearless church does not live for the opinion or the appraisal or the approval of man or media. Fierce followers of Christ do not need the applause of men. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. Do you know in the, in the Hebrew word for snare, it is the word mokesh, and it means a noose. It literally means a noose, which is a terrible image, because a noose is what takes, it takes the breath and life out of somebody. A noose, ends, it, it's a terrible image. This is what the fear of man is. It's not just a little problem. It is a noose around your neck. The New Living Translation says it like this. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. The message says, the fear of human opinion disables a fright, a, a, a scared church. A world does not need a disabled church. The Good News Bible says it like this. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. O-M-G. That just shoots Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram right in the foot. I'm going to just, the next time you go on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, or whatever, I want you to quote this scripture. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. I'm preaching better than your amen and You know what? A fierce follower of Christ is not living for the likes of man, but for the love of God. <laughs> the opinion of God, not the approval of man. I confess this scripture, Galatians 1.10, every single morning in my prayer chair, I confess this scripture. Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The New Living Translation says it like this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. This is what the fear of the Lord is. This is what the fear of the Lord is. 
Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And honestly, I would not be your pastor. If pleasing people was our goal. And by the way, how many know it's impossible to do anyway? If there's two people there, you might half please one of them. No matter what you do. As fierce followers of Christ, we do not seek fame of men, but the flame of God. I quote that every day too. <laughs> I lost my place here. Let me find. Oh, I was almost, I jumped ahead to my last scripture. I'm, don't, don't, you're not that lucky. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> So what is it, what's it like, you know, wanting both? What's it like wanting the applause of men and the approval of God? What's that like? I mean, when, when it comes, you know, when you really live it out, what does it look like? Let me show you. Let me show you. In John chapter 12 and verse 42. Many people did believe in him. Ooh. That's awesome, right? But what's the next word? However. You know what? The next word should be hallelujah. Many people did believe in him. Hallelujah. That's not what it says. It says many people did believe in him. However. Ooh, I hate that word. However. Including some of the Jewish leaders. Yay. No, but. But. However. But. Many. Many believed in Jesus. However, even the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would cancel them. For fear that the Pharisees would expel them, cancel them. You don't, don't think cancel culture is new. This is what gripped the heart of the church in the very first century. But, however, but, yes, he's, yes, he's my, yes, I, yes, I believe in him. However, but, but, for fear of the Pharisees or whoever those people are in your life or my life, we don't talk about it, we don't admit to it because we might be canceled from the synagogue. Expelled is the word. And then it says this, for they, those who had a foot in the applause of man and those who had a foot in the approval of God, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. This is what believing in Jesus and fearing people produces. The message says, when push came to shove, they cared more for human approval than for God's glory. A fearless church cares more for God's glory than human approval. So what is a fearless church? It is fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid to die. And it is bold believers in Jesus who are not afraid of man. Fearless. Creating a courage culture. And that's what we are creating, a courage culture for our families, for our children, for our church. We are creating a courage culture. Don't you want to raise your children in a courage culture? I do. 
my grandchildren, our families, our church family, that we will not live our lives fearful but fearless. Now I have one last scripture. And everybody said, hey, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask our team to come. I want to talk about this some more. Because I really want you and I to live our life serving the Lord with all the love, all the kindness, all the joy, all the courtesy, all the wonder that we can, but fearless and not afraid to die and not afraid of people or their opinion. But him, I fear him. I fear the Lord. It's his approval. So here's a passage of scripture that I really love. It's in Luke chapter 1. It's verse 74 and 75. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. That's how I want to live the rest of my life. I want to live the rest of my life serving God without fear. I choose to serve God without fear for the rest of my life. How many would join me in that choice? How many would help me create a courage culture? I sit in my chair every morning and I list all kinds of things every day that I'm not afraid of. I literally go through a list of what I'm not afraid of. This, and they're all things, of course, that I'm afraid of. That's why they're on my list. But I've got about a thousand days right now, a thousand times I've confessed out loud, but I'm not afraid of, and I'm not afraid of. And it's working. Come on. I find myself even in my dreams now. Even in my dreams, I'm like, courage. (laughs) This is how you want to live. This is how you want to be married. This is the family you want in your home. This is, this is it. We serve the Lord without fear as long as we live. Come devil, come demon, come high water, come what the heck ever. We serve the Lord. We serve the Lord without fear. Without fear. The fear of God is the only fear that grips me, and that puts the fear of man and the fear of death and the fear of everything else. Demons, die, you name it, everything that starts with a D. All the bad things, diseases, all the bad things start with a D. I think. That's, that's not in the Bible. I'm just think that out loud. You've been rescued from your enemies so you can serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness for as long as you live. I plan on living the rest of my life just like that. Stand to your feet if you join me. Stand to your feet if you say, me too, me too. This is how I choose to live. I choose to live. But as long as I live, I'm going to serve the Lord without fear. I'm going to serve the Lord in a courage culture. This is, how we, this is how we choose. So the two characteristics of a fearless church, fierce followers of Christ who are not afraid to die, bold believers in Jesus who are not afraid of man, and next time I'm going to talk about daring disciples of Christ who are not afraid of the dark. We're going to go there. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, how good you are, how kind you are. Lord, your church, your church, you will build it. You will build it. And Lord, sometimes she's flawed and sometimes she makes mistakes and she's limping and sometimes she's full of people just like me. But you're going to build it. 
You're going to build your church and you're going to fill the earth with its glory, your glory, through the church, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, we would be the most loving, fearless people that have ever lived. Lord, that we would be the most kind, courageous people that have ever lived. That the church of Jesus Christ, Lord, I want to see it in my lifetime. Lord, I want our boys and girls to grow up in this house in a courage culture. Father, I want young people to be bold and brazen and have courage in a day of, of anxiety and a day of stress and distress. Father, let fearless, let fearless grip us. Not fear, not fear, not fear grip us. Let fearless grip us in Jesus' name. Lord, let courage take over the culture that we're not afraid of cancel and we're not afraid of COVID and we're not afraid of anything else because the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord sets me free from every other fear. Holy Spirit, reach into homes right now. Reach into families right now that are listening to this word. Lord, shake us. Shake us. But Lord, shake us free. Shake us loose, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.